For many camps and small businesses in the United States, the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program was a lifesaver, enabling us to keep our best people employed while we navigated the uncharted waters of the COVID-19 pandemic. Starting January 13th, a second round of PPP has been made available to qualifying businesses, as well as other resources, like the Employer Retention Credit. While most of us are pretty good at running a summer camp, this other stuff is both supremely important and pretty darn confusing, which is why we have called for an emergency podcast with my friend Scott Brody so that we can better grasp the options that can ensure our financial solvency as we enter the 2021 camp season. This is the Day Camp Pod. This is the Day Camp Pod from Go Camp Pro, bringing you the best ideas, strategies, and discussions in the day camp industry. You can find our show notes at daycamppodcast.com. It's, it's January uh, of 2021, okay? And now, you know, after months and months of this, like, you know, trillion-dollar CARES Act, you know, it, it comes through 5,000 pages, and there's a little part that, that is, is relevant to us here. So, as Steve was saying, um, we can fix part one. We can go for part two. Now, let's clarify what part two is here. Um, in regard to like the 25% reduction over one quarter or whatever? Uh, so to qualify Ooh. for a, a second round PPP uh, uh, lo- forgivable loan, right? And again, this is apart from amending your first one, which you absolutely need to do, okay? Mm-hmm. Everybody should be doing that if you didn't get to do it the first time. The, the second piece of that is if you can demonstrate, and most camps can, Uh, that your uh, receipts in any quarter of 2020 were 25% less or more uh, than your receipts of that comparable quarter uh, in 2019. Uh, And there are several alternatives. There are a lot of permutations of this, but this is the core idea. If you were 25% down in any quarter of 2020, over 2019, then you will be able to qualify as long as you have less than 300 employees. Uh, and that doesn't, by the way, mean three, 300 employees is also sort of a soft number because there, there's a full-time equivalency there. Right. So again, most camps are going to be able to qualify for this. Right. Even if you had 500 seasonals, you'd be able That's to qualify. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, if you can, if you can tick those boxes, um, then you'll be able to access a second uh, uh, round of PPP. And this one had an extra special little bonus. It was, frankly, a little thank you that we got from uh, the Senate Small Business Committee. They were feeling badly for camps. And, uh, and they were, had, had, a, had put a little gooser in there for uh, the hotel and restaurant industry, especially the hotel industry, uh, where they were going to, instead of just letting them uh, uh, have uh, 2.5 uh, times uh, uh, their average month of uh, payroll revenue during that period of time that you qualify for, uh, they got 3.5 times it. Um, and that was sort of, we, we knew that was in there. We were, I was frankly a little jealous of it. I wasn't, you know, so like, why them, not us? Uh, We were making those arguments over and over again. Camps have been hit so hard. You think restaurants and hotels have been hit. Camps have been hit as hard, if not harder. And suddenly when that bill comes out, 
we discover that they use a little trick. They use something called a NAICS code, uh, an N-A-I-C-S code, to determine whether you were eligible for 3.5 times. Uh, and it turns out uh, they used a code that uh, resident camps of all stripes qualify for. Okay, so suddenly they gave us essentially an extra month's worth of payroll uh, if you're a resident camp. Day camps, we fought for it. We didn't get it this time, but uh, day camps still get 2.5 times, which is right. But big picture, you know, the vast majority of resident camps didn't open last summer. So that that is correct. Only 18 percent of day of resident camps opened across the country versus between 60 and 70 percent of day camps. So, you know, it it made sense. They got a little little extra help. Well, there were two other kickers. You know, wait, there's more. (laughs) Uh, The next kicker is they redefined non-payroll expenses that are acceptable for forgiveness. Uh, under the original PPP, you had to, in order to get your loan forgiven, you had to have at least 60% of the forgiveness come in payroll. And then 40% could be interest on mortgage, lease, utilities. Right. Well, they've now added four new categories that include like any you know computer uh, software and cloud-based computing, PPE, uh, damage through vandalism and a very, very crazy category called uh, essential goods or something, which we need real clarification because the way I read it, almost anything falls into that. But I, I'm not going to say that. But the point is, a lot of camps ended up needing to use more payroll to get their forgiveness. And right. you might think, well, why do we care about that? But wait, there's more. <laughs> The original CARES Act gave you a choice between two different programs, the PPP, which provides for uh, 100% forgiveness, and the ERC, the Employee Retention Credit. And it was very clear in the original CARES Act that you could not do both. Well, the new Economic Aid Act in December now says you can and uh, what it basically says, and it, gosh, I don't know, uh, there's an article that I don't know if you have show notes or something, you can put a link yeah, to it. No, it's it's, it's going to be Ziv. in there. Yeah, it's going to be in the show notes. It's, it's a okay. great summary. It is, it is the best article anywhere. Accountancy, journals, uh, bar review. This young man named Andrew Ziv from Eden yeah. Village written, Camp really written, clarifies. Written in plain speak. Right, which is the best part. But the gist of it is up to $10,000 of 2020 payroll for every employee. Anyone you have a W-2 for wage. For each to, employee. You can get a, each employee up to $10,000, you get a 50% credit. Now, you, there's a couple of, 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 of tests. You have to have it for 2020. You have to have a quarter year down 80% in receipts. I think not revenues. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you have to maintain that you're down 20%. But uh, this is where that other part of the, the PPP extending to non-payroll expenses is it frees up more payroll that can now go to the ERC. Now, we're, the, the rules here are really uh, make your head hurt. Yeah. And there's a different set of rules for 2021. Mm-hmm. But there's this is not like, you know, uh, 
a couple hundred dollars here and there. It's tens of thousands of dollars for most camps. Right. And what Steve is, is didn't get to yet is that the 2020 ERC is now, we're able to dip into it retroactively. Yes. Right. Which, which yes. is huge. And then moving forward into 2021, like Steve said, the new PPP round two allows us to take more non payroll expenses. Um, so we can sort of separate this payroll will be used for the PPP. This payroll will be used for the ERC, right? And the ERC covers yes. two quarters, the first and second quarter of 2021, whereas PPP only covers <laughs> t- 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 24, 24 weeks. weeks. Right? right. Actually, you can go into four quarters Oh yeah. with the ERC. It actually kicks in as of March 12th, but most camps can't show a uh, uh, 80% drop in receipts in the first quarter, and they, that tends to start showing up in the second quarter. So you can't start the clock until you show the drop in the receipts. Mm-hmm. But the period starts as of the uh, CARES Act, which is March 12th or March 11th. I can't remember which. So in, unless you have a Steve Baskin or an Andrew Ziv uh, or you know a, a great, great, great person on your payroll – or or on your board or whatever it may be to help you do this, go to your accountants and start figuring this out because it impacts all sorts of stuff, right? It impacts, uh, you know, uh, your your quarterly payroll filings and you may want to revise those. It impacts, you know, your forgiveness application if you filed it for PPP1. Um, You know, uh, it it impacts the timing of when you want to get your PPP2. There are a lot of sort of strategic decisions that are impacted by this employee retention tax credit that are really, you know, uh, can, can, you know, be big dollar issues. Right. Tens of thousands of dollars implications. So for instance, last year I took my PPP money, I put it into a separate account and that became my account for my payroll all summer. That is not what I will be doing with my PPP round two. I will only be allocating some of that. Right. Well, just think of it this way. Let's say you needed uh, $300,000. You, you had a, uh, a $400,000 PPP loan. Okay, 60% of that is $240,000 has to go to uh, payroll in 2020. Mm-hmm. But if you ran or had uh, any sort of summer operations, chances are you might have had during that period three or four, $350,000 of counselor-only or summer-only payroll. If that's the case, you've got 110000 extra that you put in the ERC, and that's a $55,000 check. If you have full-time employees that worked in the fourth quarter, up to $10,000 each, uh, you can get a 50% credit. You get $5,000 per full-time employee. So it, when, it's not when hard credit, for when they say credit, a $100,000 number. When they say credit, what is that? how is that going to look like? How are we going to get this credit when we pay our taxes? Like, where, is, where does this come? You've, it is my understanding. And Scott, <laughs> well, let's start by uh, additional guidance is forthcoming. Right? <laughs> there's, there's a whole lot of additional guidance is forthcoming. And, ta- uh, and talk to your accountant. And talk to your accountant and yes, don't yes, accept yes. this oh, as, us, as tax as true tax advice without checking with your accountant first. Yeah. If, in fact, I think I need to just start every sentence with check with your accountant. We are not experts and you should not listen to us. Yeah. But uh, 
I think you ask for a payment and it's like, it's a call the refundable tax credit. credit. And it's like the child credit. Yeah. So they will write you a check as if you had overpaid your taxes, refiled your taxes and asked for a refund. A check from the IRS comes to you and you just put it in and it, it, it is not an insignificant amount. So my advice, I think when Scott says, go to your accountant, I'm going to do one other caveat. I would go, no two things that, uh, first of all, our friend Andrew Ziv knows more than your accountant does about this right now. 100%. Shout out to Eden Village. Your accountant will, will love this. Okay. Second thing is the ACA is beyond conscientious and diligent on putting updates. So once we figured out what other you know, covered uh, supplier costs in the PPP is, it will be, you know, we'll write it up in the ACA. As soon as we figure out exactly if it's receipts or revenues for the ERC test, it will be in the ACA. And the reason I say that is that we, you're going to have to educate your accountant a little bit. There's a very good chance your accountant's going to go, I haven't heard of that, or that doesn't right. sound quite right. Or your payroll company too, by the way, because that they're important. Oh yeah, Payroll companies will be on top of this. They will know better because they're, somebody in their system is going to get up to speed, so they will know about it. But mm-hmm. if you've got an accountant that only works with a handful of companies, you know, chances are you could get through this entire season and not fully understand the ERC unless someone compels you to do so. But uh, my, my advice would be, so, when you're done listening to this podcast, if you weren't aware of the stuff that just was shared, this is definitely the time to pick up the phone, talk to your accountant, talk to your your uh, board members who, you know, your uh, uh, your folks who who help you make financial decisions, because this is this is big money. There's uh, there is some timing uh, that uh, is critical to take full advantage of it. So you definitely want to jump on it and jump on it now because it's also going to help you strategize about, you know, how you're going to handle your payroll even for the next six months. Because this sort of Mm -hmm. uh, supplement is there coming from the federal government and it only applies to full time employees but that includes full-time seasonal employees um, and they've got to be on paper, right? Yes. Yeah. Actually, I will modify that, Scott. As I read it, for the ERC at least, it's all wages are qualified. Oh, that's amazing. For two weeks. I stand it's, corrected. From what I read, it, on that, it's, 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 if it's a W-2, it's good. So a couple of weird things this means is that if you've got a few guys or uh, get, you know men or women who are doing contract labor for you, get them on your payroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Did that you last year. For this. Yep. Oh, by the way, you're, for 2021, the ERC is up to $10,000 per quarter in the first and second quarter, and it's a 70% credit, yep. not a 50% credit. So your you know, $20 an hour contract guy who's you know helping you do some lumber get him on the payroll and he just went from being a twenty dollar an hour guy to being a you know six dollar an hour guy right so we're gonna we're gonna put some links including the andrew ziv article in 
our show notes, which is like when you scroll down your little podcast app, it's there in there. And also if you just go to daycamppodcast.com, they'll be there. But since we're in the weeds here and Steve mentioned like timing is a huge issue here. Um, let's talk about that wonderful word forgiveness. All right. When it comes to this crap, because um, some people got screwed for being very forgiving, <laughs> you know, in a timely way. Um, and uh, can, can you just sort of take us through that? Like, basically, I mean, to sum it up before we even talk about it, be patient with your forgiveness, right? Don't rush. F- filing for your forgiveness. Filing. Yeah. You, if it, it, as it looks that the, not only your PPP2, but maybe retroactively to your PPP1, these new non-payroll expenses are going to be included. All right. Uh, that's very important because a lot of camps I know if they didn't have a lease or mortgage interest, didn't have enough non-payroll to eat up the 40% uh, to get forgiveness. So they ended up using more payroll. Well, that didn't matter when there was no ERC, right? Who cared? Like we got to use it somewhere. Well, now every dollar of payroll that isn't in PPP forgiveness is now eligible for ERC forgiveness up to $10,000 an employee. So when you file, you want to wait long enough to figure out what these other expenses are. And then you're going to need to have a very detailed spreadsheet book. You need to buy uh, like bottles of wine and (laughs) chocolates or whatever people (laughs) like who do your bookkeeping because they're going to have to lay out every employee. Are they going to PPP? Are they going to go to ERC? Who's hit the $10,000 credit? It's a nightmare, but it is a nightmare worth navigating. And once again, if it's your accountant doing it, that's great too. But if you have not filed for forgiveness yet, wait. Uh-huh. If you have <laughs> filed and it hasn't been accepted yet, see if you can get it pulled and see if you can amend it. But the longer you wait, this is where being a procrastinator helps you. Yes, it turns out that in this stage, right? Uh, by the way, if it's your wife doing it, should we like prepare separate bedrooms? So maybe because like Jill's gonna, she's gonna be freaking out about this. But anyway, um, I'm sure she's listening. So um, <laughs> one thing that um, I noticed in here, and you mentioned it to me the other day, Steve. Also, is that the PPP is an SBA program. The ERC is in like an IRS program, right? It's like two different silos, you know? So like, who knows in the end, you know, who's going to be auditing this for God's sakes? I mean, a third party agency? I mean, my goodness, this is going to be quite a thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve, is, Steve is dumbfounded. <laughs> we, need, we need more guidance. Well, and there are a t-shirt. We there, need are, <laughs> there are open questions here. We're mm-hmm. going to continue to work with our advocacy firm in DC to ask these questions. Can you, uh, you know, can you uh, revise your forgiveness application for PPP one if you already filled it out uh, and and move some things around uh, to optimize your uh, your ERC? Um, we're asking these questions. 
Um, there, there are a lot of open questions. And in fact, it was interesting. There was something that was put out by the Biden administration yesterday, um, which of course has now taken over SBA. Uh, and it was, it was sharing some of the SBA stuff that had come out while President Trump was still in office all the way to the end. There was some clarifying documents for PPP one and two that came out on the 19th, for instance. But it, the preface for this was, look, we've gotten lots of questions and we know there are a lot of scenarios out there. People have had to do a lot of things to survive this last nine, 10 months, 12 months almost now, uh, you know, including, you know, changing the ownership form of their business because they had to take in a partner, whatever. We're working on answers to that. We're going to try to be flexible with that. So, you know, if you're one of those folks there are, you know, there, there, there are likely answers coming um, that, you know, could really impact the amounts that you're eligible for. Um, so, you know, one of the things you want to do with PPP round two in particular, you know, is, is take your time with it, but pay attention to how quickly that program is running out of funds, Right. We're all inclined as camp professionals, I think, to do things immediately that we can do, right? We want to take control. We want to fix problems. Yeah, and it helped us in round one, those of us that jumped on it. It helped us in round one, but it's sort of, right? It helped us in round one. Initially, initially. It got better, and some people did it so quickly and then didn't change and weren't able to change it, so it didn't help them so much. So in this case... The other piece is, you know, you want your payroll, your covered payroll period for this PPP round two optimally to be your biggest payroll period of the summer, right? You want to be able to expense over these 24 weeks that you have to, you know, to expense for forgiveness. You want it to be your best 24 weeks of the summer to give you the most flexibility. And the truth is, if you can wait a little while and push that out into late February, suddenly your whole summer payroll becomes part of that 24 weeks. And that's what we want to look at, right? Right, because as as Andrew yep. Ziv wrote in his article, um, the clock starts starts ticking as soon as they assign you a number, right? Not even when you get the I money. Think, as soon as you're assigned, I think those are almost co-synchronous. Uh, I was told by my bank it's it's 24 months from when you're the money drops in weeks. your account. 24 weeks, yeah. 24 weeks, 20 weeks. But remember, everybody, when we did the first PPP. And they extended it from eight weeks to 24 weeks. Those 24 weeks completely enveloped our summer. Yeah, we got lucky timing. Because it was happening in April. It was happening in mm-hmm. April. Now it's starting in, in January. So as Scott says, if you were to fund on Tuesday, your 24-week period would end on July 13th. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've counted on the calendar so many different <laughs> times. I can tell you, like each time, and that doesn't get most camps there. So uh, I think Scott's bringing up a great point is we need to see how quickly people use this. And it's, it's slower this time because you have to be less than 300 people. You can only do 2 million. Some people are still refiling the first one. Some people don't really want to do the second one until they've done forgiveness, but we don't want to be left, uh, you know, coming late to the table and have all the food eaten. Right. So uh, I, I don't know exactly how to time it, I'm a little nervous about waiting, but I'm trying to wait. The other thing I want to back to what Scott was saying about the the Biden administration 
and the SBA's desire to kind of help people through these different problems, uh, you might want to just have a weekly habit of checking in uh, the great work the ACA is doing on giving updates because you know the the filing that changed the seasonality last year that as Scott said that resulted in a lot of cases of doubling was on I kid you not page 19,873 of some sort of tax journal. Uh, you don't read those things. You find out it's there because someone at the ACA says they've changed the rules. Here's where you find it. And so when there, if there is something that says you can modify your forgiveness, I'm going to be looking for the ACA to tell me that's happened. Because the nice thing about having advocacy is not just having advocates who help you get your rules changed to your advantage, but letting them know what is on page 19,753. And that, I cannot tell you how valuable that is. So keep, I know there's nothing fun about, you know, checking in every Friday on tax stuff, but when the rules change to our advantage, the ACA is the only place I know to find that. Right. And, and I think for, for a lot of longtime ACA members, the uh, weekly, you know, emails that have been coming and that kind of thing, it sort of just becomes like white noise in the background. It shouldn't be at this point. We've got, e, we've got EHNE updates you know, that have been made recently that are important and they're going to continue has been updated. ACA now is that publication that you're describing and you Mm want to check it every week. You want to make sure that you really are clicking through on those articles and you want to go to the, uh, the uh, COVID-19 resource pages on the ACA website, bookmark them and the business resource link, which is on that page, right? There's a bunch of boxes uh, one of them is business resources. That's where you're going to find all of this PPP, ERC, Form 1502. All of this stuff lives there um, and is constantly updated with Q&As and the best articles that we can find. Uh, our, our amazing team, they are just devoting a tremendous amount of time. And we're also using the camp field you know, hive mind, right? So yeah, Andrew Ziv's amazing article on this will be on there very soon. There are other things that will be on there very soon and we're just constantly updating it um, so that it's like one-stop shopping for you. That's right. what we want to do. Make right. it as easy as possible. Read your stuff. And, and and for those of you listening to the Day Camp Pod that are not American Camp Association members, very easy to do. And and there's you do not have to jump into the deep end and get your camp accredited this summer. Okay. You can be an affiliate. Okay. <laughs> and you could just basically get on our mailing list and be privy to the professional development that we have out there. Okay. Um, as And for those of you who are members that want to uh, spread some more professional development to your people that we're actually offering um, free membership for camp staff uh, st- starting right now. Um, and there's links out there for that. We'll get that in the show notes also. Um, so yeah, so, so let's just be intentional, be smart about, you know, about following up on this stuff. Go ahead, All right. And I'm going to, I'm going to, going to touch the third rail too. <laughs> when you do you, your ERC and you find out how, all I want you to do is take, I don't know, two, two and a half percent of whatever it is that you're suddenly going to get from doing this ERC that you did not know existed prior to this podcast and make a contribution to the uh, annual fund of the ACA. And we've never needed the ACA more than now. This field guide 
is amazing. It helped us open in Texas and in North Carolina. I was part of a camp there. That doesn't happen without the ACA. That was extra expenditures at a time when times are tight, right? The advocacy work doesn't do itself. So uh, if you have the, if you end up getting some found uh, funds, uh, I, I would just uh, suggest that we all support the amazing work the ACA is doing right now because uh, we would not be getting half this stuff without yeah. them. Well, also, let's be realistic. Most membership organizations right now are down on memberships because people are just, you know, people haven't been privy to these these uh, these ways of supplementing their their revenues and they're worried about their monies, you know? So so it's m- more important now than ever. We are, we are working hard every day to add value uh, to, to, you know, to save our camps and to help them thrive. And that's really to save all camps and help them thrive. So if you can support us in this work, it would be enormously helpful and would help us to be able to do more. Let me give you a little preview of stuff that's coming. So we have been working on a national campaign uh, and with a toolkit that can be used, uh, you know, at, at state and local level to allow our staff to have access to vaccination uh, before the start of the camp season, uh, which will go a long way to making our camp community safer and our camp operations more manageable. That is an ACA effort. And we're not doing it alone, uh, really, for the first time in our history. ACA, you know, Steve mentioned before and Andy mentioned that the field guide was an amazing thing. There wasn't another youth development organization out there. And I kudos to YUSA, by the way, because they partnered with us to do yep. that. Right? We, we led the way, but they were a critical partner, critical resource partner. And there were others who supported that effort. But on this vaccine initiative, we got Boys Club, Girls Club, the National After School Association, countless youth serving organizations to join us to do this uh, advocacy work. Uh, we're really leading the way in the out of school time field. And I think there is new awareness and appreciation for the capability of the American Camp Association and our leadership in the field. And that's really exciting. So vaccinations, number one, we are continuing to look for targeted aid to support day and resident camps. Um, akin to the support that, let's say, live entertainment venues got in the last bill. So we're working on on a targeted program for camps. More to come on that. We're very hopeful that we'll get more assistance. We're also working on J1. That's critical more for resident camps than for day camps, but it's really a vital, vital um, exchange uh, opportunity for camps uh, that's critical. And the Trump administration had shut that down completely. Um, we are working on the tax treatment of uh, re- the loans that are repaid and the deductibility of those payments. We're really looking at every aspect of this to try to get as much financial assistance and operational assistance as we can to camps. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that. And we're doing all of that while we are focused 100% on our strategic initiatives and DEI is number one. We, you know, this has all been about, we had a strategic plan in place. We were launching a huge DEI initiative. We want 
all kids to be able to go to camp. We want camps to be able, you know, every family to access camp experiences. That's been our number one goal and we're making huge strides in that area. We've gotten some great grant support to drive that home and create new pipelines for diverse talent in camp leadership, uh, CIT programs and others. We got a lot going on uh, and uh, we really appreciate your, you know, your support. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. And we're going to wrap it up now. Um, thanks. Thanks for coming in. Like I said, on a Saturday and all Steve, thank you. I'm sorry. I called you a third wheel. You're really not. All right. <laughs> way more, hey, way hey, more to I, I, I'm just, <laughs> as of right now, Everwood is my favorite tricycle. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll go with that. I want to also thank our Go Camp. Pro- <laughs> I want to thank our Go Camp Pro team. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Day Camp Pod on your favorite podcast platform. Check out the show notes, like I told you, and the other episodes at daycamppodcast.com, as well as contact info for the show, for Steve, for Scott, um, and for the other guests that we end up having. Uh, thanks for listening. Make yourself a better Day Camp professional. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Day Camp Pod. The Day Camp Podcast is brought to you by Go Camp Pro and the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network. Find a podcast for camp professionals of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, Camp Pros. We love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker Podcast, Conference, Summer Camp Professionals Group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more camp pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.